This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. So, Ken, I just learned some great news. What? Kevin Patterson. Don't be sad. You like Kevin Patterson. I do like Kevin Patterson. Yeah, he's the, he's the, the Kevin Bacon of the... He's not Kevin Bacon. He's the Kevin Bacon of the sex ed world. Because he comes up like somehow in every other episode with every other guest, somehow we end up talking oh, about so it's Kevin six, Patterson. It's six degrees of Kevin Patterson. Exactly. Six degrees of Kevin Patterson. And I got some great news from Kevin that his brand new book is out. And I want to tell all the listeners about it because I think they're going to fucking dig it because they're geeks like we are. So listen up. Are you tired of the same love triangles and heteronormative romantic interests who have almost nothing to do with the plot? Well, Ken and I have a book for you. Kevin Patterson, who's the author of Love's Not Colorblind and the curator of the Poly Role Models blog, joined together with Alana Phelan, the polyamorous librarian, to bring you the first of many queer polyamorous superhero novels centering on people of color. God, I'm so excited. It is called For Hire Operator, and it's available on Amazon right now. And we will have the link to that in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com. And you have to go run out and get it as we're going to do because I'm I'm so fucking excited. Ken, are you fucking excited? Like interject a little. Are you there? I am here. Did you die? No, I had too many chili dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I was on the toilet for 30 minutes? Oh, yeah. I made yeah. a poor eating choice. Oh, so. I'm very excited about Kevin's book, but all oh, these, right now the chili dogs are combating it. I'm sorry, oh, but it's, I'm sorry. it's just true. Hi, everyone. I'm Ken Melvoin Berg. And I'm Sonny Megatron, who did not have chili dogs, and I don't have to poop. <laughs> In one kraut dog. And welcome to episode 63 of American Sex Podcast, and I have to poop again. Wait, what's a kraut? Is it just like a hot dog with sauerkraut? And mustard and onions, yeah. And they call, they're called kraut dogs? Why? I'm, I grew up eating sauerkraut. Why don't I know this? I don't know why you don't know this. It's a pretty common dog. Yeah, kraut dogs no. are very well, common. Well, kraut bratwurst, yes. But so kraut are kraut dogs. Dog? I, yes. I've never... That's because you grew up in Chicago, sweetheart. There's other hot dogs outside of Chicago. There are far superior hot dogs, in my opinion, such as the Coney Dog of Detroit, Michigan. Wow. Which is far superior to the Chicago Dog dragging it through the garden. Sorry, but it is. Yeah. Well, this week's guest is, I'm so fucking excited, Megan Tonges. Megan Tonges is a singer-songwriter, vlogger, 
podcast host, and body positivity advocate with appearances and performances on both The Ellen DeGeneres Show and Conan O'Brien. Megan's videos have garnered over 31 million fucking views. Holy cow, Megan, that's awesome. In early 2014, Megan sparked criticism and garnered support when a photo of hers was removed from Instagram. Instagram soon apologized for removing the image, but not before the story went viral, being featured on national news outlets such as CBS, Upworthy Huffington Post, and the Today Show. The hashtag booty revolution was born. Currently, Megan lives in Los Angeles in a very cheap apartment where she makes weekly videos about pop culture and news. She also co-hosts several podcasts, including Adventures and Roommate, with over 300 episodes and No Lies Detected. Well, is her her apartment is very inexpensive. I don't know if it's cheap. She might have very good t- taste from the videos. <laughs> I see she has decent. I don't know. Anyway, the rent is cheap. The rent is cheap. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about quality. We're talking about the price of the apartment. It was cheap. Yeah, and I'm really. I'm a little jealous. You guys will hear hear it in the interview. Like she has the the deal of a lifetime in Los Angeles. But I very much enjoyed this conversation, and it's kind of an extra girthy, long conversation. We we did a lot of talking, and we all really, know that you like girthy and long. Yes, no more girthy, long, not so much. It depends, you know. Anyway, um, but I feel like Megan is sort of my inner eloquent, take no shit persona that I wish I had, and is somewhere deep down inside of me, but I have no idea how to eloquently actually let out. A lot of what we talk about is centered around something that she said toward the end of our conversation that I was like, fuck yeah, it needs to be like on, she needs to make merch with this on it. Uh, She said, if you're committed to your bullshit, you're going to feel my absence. And that's like a common theme in our whole conversation. So some of the things we touch on is, you know, how she was thrust in the into the mainstream with that booty revolution hashtag, and how it all started with the very first picture she put on the internet of her relatively clothed, but her journey of learning to love her body, which was especially impacted by growing up uh, as a fat kid and being bullied and really awful stuff that happened in middle school. Also, how she deals with the multitude of haters online, the issues that she has with the body positivity movement, even though she is considered a body positive icon, and how she honored the memory and life of her grandma that she documents in a new short film that she debuted at Buffer Festival just recently. I love this conversation. Absolutely. And also, there's more because this conversation was even girthier, but we had to chop a little off. Do we circumcise our conversation? Well, you can get the foreskin. Whether that, did we circumcise our conversation again? Because <laughs> we saved the foreskin and it's on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> and you're the moil. <laughs> I don't, this is like a weird turn. But yeah, she tells a story about a tender match gone horribly wrong, or perhaps it went horribly right. Uh, that's for you to judge. You can get that over at patreon.com slash American sex. Sonny, do you know what time it is? Of course I do. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I want to give a big welcome and our heartfelt appreciation to the awesome folks that joined our Patreon family this week. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Nancy, James, Beck, Dawn, Shelley, and Kalia. 
Now, also, we usually don't mention those that increased their membership amount, but there were so many this week that I did want to give a special shout out to Brandon, Jesse Ann, Adora, Keith, and Loretta. Thank you so much, not only for supporting us, but deciding to support us even more. American Sex Podcast Patreon members get bonus stories from our guests, extra episodes, a personal video greeting, random surprises in the mail, and more. In fact, this past week, we just released a full-length episode with Dixie De La Tour of the Body Storytelling Stage Show and Podcast that's only available to members. Your membership helps keep this show going in a number of ways. We spend a minimum of about 25 hours a week producing the show, and we have no other staff. It's just Ken and I. And money from sponsors only covers a small amount of the labor and hard costs that go into each episode. We spend a good deal of time also educating the masses free of charge through things like social media posts or privately answering questions, working with the media, creating free content, yada, yada, lots of other stuff. In other words, we only get paid for a fraction of the sex ed work we do. Your Patreon membership not only helps keep this podcast going, but it helps also keep us going and doing all of the work that we do. Now, also, we're doing something really special this month. We're sending each October Patreon member American Sex Podcast stickers in the mail. Yeah. And guess what? It gets better. For two of you, you won't just get stickers. You're going to be getting an entire pleasure products care package too. So we've got a stockpile of all sorts of things here, you know, BDSM gear and insertables, vibrators, lubes, all sorts of stuff. And we're going to pick out a couple of things hand selected special for you and send them along with your sticker. So hop on over to patreon.com slash American sex to get in on that. Now, every month, we also give away pleasure products to our listeners, and currently we're running two sex toy giveaways. The first is the American Sex Podcast October giveaway, sponsored by Castle Megastore. You can win a Lovence Edge Prostate Massager, one of my personal favorites, valued at $119. What's awesome about this prostate toy is that it's controllable via a Bluetooth app from anywhere in the world with a smartphone. To enter, go to sunnymegatron.com slash edge, that's E-D-G-E. And you can also get 20% off select items at castlemegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout. I'm also hosting a giveaway on my Instagram page for a Tantus Rumble. And this giveaway is sponsored by award-winning online retailer, DallasNovelty.com. They specialize in meeting the needs of disabled customers. And the Tantus Rumble, that's one of the products that Dallas Novelty recommends to those looking for a powerful massager. Well, it's also easy to hold. And importantly, it won't transfer vibrations to your hands, which can cause numbness. This toy, the Tannis Rumble, is also convertible using optional internal and external attachments that were specially developed by Tantus. So head on over to Instagram.com slash Sunny Megatron to enter the Tantus Rumble giveaway. And please go visit DallasNovelty.com to check out their large selection of sex toys and accessories for everybody. And speaking of Texas, if you're in the Austin, Texas area, get excited because Sonny and I are coming there for the very first time. November 9th and November 10th, we're going to be teaching and hanging out at the Friends Club both Friday and Saturday that weekend. And you can find more at AustinFriends.com. All right. 
strap on in, strap them on, slide them out. I don't know. What, what, is, what, what are, are you talking plugs? about? Like, are you thinking, talking about plugs? donuts or what? <laughs> Where are you going to slide donuts in? Your on my strap on. I'm going to make a strap on for donuts and make you eat my donut hole. That would be amazing. Yeah. Donut sex toy. I'm going to I'm going to think about this. Anyway, uh while I'm thinking about donut, donut sex toys and designing them in my mind, you are going to be listening to this awesome interview with Megan Tonchis. On the line this week, we have I'm super fucking excited. Megan Tonchis. Hi. Hi. Hi Megan. Hi, how are you? Really really good. I'm good. I'm grumpy as fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's so crabby. I'm to- I'm so you know what it's the la- no I'm actually I'm almost not crabby because it's the like we wrapped a week ago and we just got done with post production I'm officially no longer doing the movie that I just got done with so okay. that's a good thing and go. then I'm taking like a two day train ride from L A back to Chicago oh there you go nice, nice. yeah. Just sit back, read, enjoy the enjoy the trip. I'm totally gonna do that. I'm gonna write the whole time. Okay, actually. good. Like I'm writing a screenplay that I'm gonna be working on, and I'm super excited about that. I hear, and I get to see the Grand Canyon. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> I hear on trains you meet some like interesting funk ass people. Is this true? I think so, uh, because people that take trains are not in a hurry to get somewhere, so they tend to be a little bit. Um, more of a character than than most people are so that's one of the reasons why i like to take the train and just like kind of chill and relax read books i've never taken really a train in my life ever really <laughs> it's in, it's really exciting so are, like where do you live right now Megan? i'm in los angeles oh you're in la too yeah. oh awesome um so i'm from michigan originally but we live in chicago hold on I- yes hold on. you guys hold have astrology on. and michigan in common hold by on. the way i'm from st Clair shores michigan I'm from Grand Rapids originally, wow. but I but I lived in fashionable Ferndale, where I had oh a uh, or, well, actually, Royal Oak was where my dungeon was at nine and a half in Woodward. Okay, and then I worked at Noir Leather. Yeah, so uh, I used to I, started, I used to live at, at Oak Park. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Small, I went, small freaking I went world. to Detroit Mercy. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I was actually the official astrologer to start off with. I was a professional psychic for many years. <gasps> And I was sitting in the front window of Noir Leather, uh, reading people's tarot cards and doing their astrology. And then I'm like, this S&M stuff is cool. I want to do some of it. And then I got on board and then ended up becoming like one of the people in their retail store. Oh, my God. I was up in Ferndale playing at coffee shops like AJ's Cafe doing music and just hanging out. So we would Wow, small freaking world. Small world. And what? You're both Scorpios, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a devil's night baby, October 30th. I'm November 19th, and I'm triple water because I have a Cancer rising and a Pisces moon. There's a lot, wow. there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there is. Ooh. I right. can't wait. I need to get a reading after this. This is great. <laughs> I knew you guys would hit it off. I, when I was like research, I'm like, oh, you're from Michigan and astrology and uh, Scorpio? Like, I'm yeah. I'm so into it. I'm so into it. And I it. only go back to Michigan for weddings and funerals. That's it. I hate Michigan at this point. Oh, I love yeah. the nature. hate the people. I 100% agree. And I would only go to like northern Michigan, like Boyne City by myself and hang out. That's it. Oh, hells yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Or Traverse City. I like TC. Yeah, yeah. Traverse City is good, too. All wow, right. we'll just make this the Michigan podcast. Totally. I know. Right? I've only been in Michigan like three times in my life. I think all of which was with you. So I'm like, uh, oh, I, yeah, know. I am. Like, hey, I want to be a part of something. I'm a Scorpio rising. Do I get Aww. to be part of the club? 
Well, the world thinks you're a Scorpio. That's cute. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's how you're perceived. Yeah, you don't, you don't live this life, though. No, no, I don't. I don't. No, you don't hold the secrets. You're not really dark enough to be a Scorpio, sweetheart. Like you're, <laughs> you, you don't have the anger and the volatility yeah. and the, the passion. You know, you don't wake up every day being like, I could be a really bad person, but today I'll, I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. but you are a Leo, which is uh, you know it's another one of the fixed signs. So that's why we get along so well. Oh, honey. See? I um. love this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Megan, I have been like I don't know fangirl from afar for a long time, <laughs> and you first got on my radar with your booty revolution hashtag, which we're going to get into. Um, and then it was only later that I'm like, holy motherfucking shit! Like your voice is amazing. Thank you. You do so many, like, you know, you're a content creator. You create content every damn moment of your life, pretty much. Uh, I feel it. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't do things unless I'm like, I'm always thinking about, okay, how can this be an Instagram story, though? Um, I was doing daily videos for a few years and I loved that, but, um, I don't think that YouTube works for that anymore. So I've kind of backed off that and just focused on a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just... So I have a question. Did you move to Los Angeles to become a YouTuber or to get involved in the like TV and movie industry? Like, What was the decision to move to LA other than to live in a very small apartment? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, I found the cheapest apartment in Los Angeles that has two bedrooms, and I will be dying in Holy this apartment. Holy shit. I live currently in a two-bedroom with a roommate. And we pay twelve seventy. <gasps> I will die. What? I will die in this apartment. I will die. The hell you say. I will the hell you say. <laughs> what? I'm so scared. I don't even like to tell them when things are broken because I don't want them to know that we're still here. I just want them to take this money every month. <laughs> and forget about and forget it. Forget no, about I, me. I get it. <laughs> oh, oh. And that, speaking of which, so the place that I'm staying at is in a secret location in Los Angeles. Okay. And if there is sex noises going on, it's because they may be may, they may be filming an adult movie here oh, at the right. spot. Right. So I'm at a place where it's sort of kink.com South, or like they you know they run it out for different adult movies. But wow. like if there's fuck noises, it's not because something funky is going on here, and I'm being rude. It's because they're actually <laughs> filming here. It's work, damn it. Fair enough. There you go. It is work. It is work. <laughs> uh, but to get back to your question, moving to Los Angeles. So I moved here six years ago, almost seven years ago, um, and a big reason for that was I just kept traveling here for things and in my head I thought well I don't want to live in Michigan and I've been I was living in Allentown Pennsylvania for a year which I don't know people ask me why did you do that I don't know I just wanted to do something oh, else Allentown is a shithole <laughs> yeah. isn't that though the the Billy Joel song from the 80s yes. I like yeah. that the, song it's the Flint of Pennsylvania oh <laughs> okay Oh. Okay, it is. It is. Fair. It is. It is. But the best chicken shawarma I've ever had is in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So as long as I have a place I can eat, I'm fine. It's good. Right on. Um, but yeah, so I originally I, I looked at Los Angeles. I thought I would never live there. But I kept traveling here for things. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. But I had like a, a the first time I ever came out here was I was on the Ellen show. And so, which is like a hell of a way to come out here for the first time. Yeah, right. And, uh, and the first time I was on TV or anything. So I was like, okay, well, we just crossed this off the list. So I guess I can retire now. <laughs> um, but I had a lot of friends out here doing YouTube. And I also had a friend, my current roommate, Keith, uh, he was living in Long Island and we, uh, I would go to New York and do shows and things like that. We would hang out and we would Skype. And eventually I just became aware that he wanted to move to LA. 
And I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll try it. And so I just proposed to him essentially, like, why don't we try to do this together? And I'll go out there and find an apartment. And it just happened so fast. Like, I look back at it and I think I had maybe $500 to my name. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, I'll get there and I'll make it work. And I'm in the same apartment six years later. <laughs> wow. Videos, so. Wow. It's working. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, at that price, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, no, I can never again. If I if I ever have children, I will be raising them in this apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we were just looking for stuff because we needed to move to the West Coast, and we decided on Vegas because it's so much cheaper. Because mm-hmm. when we were seeing in L.A., we could afford a one bedroom for four people. Yeah, it's 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 insane out here. But or a McMansion in Henderson, basically. <laughs> <laughs> McMansion, here we come. Oh yeah. God, McMansion, here oh, we God. come. <laughs> working on that now. All right, so you really like hit the media everywhere, like CNN and all, you know, everywhere with your, you posted basically a picture of your butt on Instagram. I did. And then just all this shit happened. So what's the story? What happened? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like years later, I'm still scratching my head to be like, how, what, what, why? Um, So I posted a photo of me in underwear and a t-shirt. It was just like a little butt photo. It was, I had never shared anything like that. I wasn't even someone that really wore like underwear or bathing suits or anything online. It was just, I was feeling good. I shared it. It got flagged as pornography and taken down. And at the time, I just remember being so annoyed by that. Cause I'm like, I'm looking at all these other Instagram accounts and people are like entirely naked and I'm not showing anything. This isn't pornography. This isn't even sexual. And I did what I knew to do, which was to make a YouTube video and talk about it. And I basically made this video and I said, you know, I don't think that this is actually about um, what Instagram or whoever reported this thinks it's about. I think people see my body and they're uncomfortable and they think I don't want to see it. No one should see it. And they improperly flag things. And there's no, there was no system in place for Instagram. There was no, there was no one to get in contact with. There was no way to say, Hey, this is incorrect. Anyone could do whatever they wanted. So I made this video. People shared it. It got to a point where I remember I was, I was with my manager at the time where I was like hanging out in the office of the MCN I was signed to. And they had phone calls from uh, different news outlets that wanted to talk to me because apparently Instagram had just released a statement about my photo Ooh. and apologized saying, you know, we don't always get it right. Um, but we put the photo back up and we're always trying to do better. And so once that happened, it kind of just opened the floodgates for everyone's story about how their stuff had been taken down. It was also at the exact same time that the Belfi, uh, Kim Kardashian, break the internet kind of stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. And then I think Scout Willis was also doing Free the Nipple. And so there was a lot of, uh, conversation about censorship online and, uh, you know, appealing to the TOS of a site and who's really, uh, in charge of what we see and how we see it and what's fair. Right. And, uh, I just kind of got thrown to the, the forefront of that and found myself doing interviews with like news outlets and stuff, uh, which I was just not prepared. I mean, I acted prepared, but I, I don't know how you would prepare for something like that. I was kind of just doing my thing and had no idea that it would turn into such a, a firestorm. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's interesting to me. Well, not interesting. It's fucked up to me that really nothing's changed. You know, I have a lot of friends yeah. that are plus size models and plus size bloggers, and yeah. they're in what's essentially a bathing suit or a pair of short shorts, just like the thinner models are, but they get, you know, constantly. It's like, this is my backup account because my other one got deleted again. Um, So have you seen any progress anywhere at all? 
I mean, I, I there's progress in the fact that I, at the time, I didn't even know how to get in contact. There was no one, there was no way to push back. There was no reporting system. There, I think there's something in place now where you can say like, hey, I think this was improperly flagged. Um, and maybe someone will look at it. But yeah, every time one of these stories happens, um, which sometimes it is someone in a bathing suit and sometimes it's someone that's completely nude that's like, wait, I want, why, why am I getting taken down? And I'm like, oh, see, this is why you gotta go to Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You got, you got to start navigating your content to like Tumblr, like sites that won't take it down. Uh, you know, I'm always, I think I have, I have an understanding of both sides of it because I've worked with Google and stuff too. And so I understand kind of what's happening in the machine and how the resources, um, are probably more limited than we understand because we're uploading so much content all of the time. Right. And everyone is like, no, my thing is fine. It's fine. So you have to have on some level, people going through and saying this is okay this is not youtube has experienced a lot of issues with this with monetization and having people have manual reviews of content and so i think it's it's always going to be an issue um i have a lot of i mean listen if instagram ever wants to do a residency program and they want some notes on the things that they're doing i would love to give it to them but yeah i do find myself in the same position as a lot of people when people stuff gets taken down i tend to get tagged in it because i think people think i have some kind of connection to instagram i don't know that instagram like she got her butt restored (laughs) (laughs) she's the very butt restore godmother or something i don't know know. i wish i wish i had a button to just say okay it's it's we can put this back up um maybe that's how my entire life will end i'll just be like running instagram which would be a dream from Um, your 1200 hundred dollar apartment from my 1200 (laughs) dollar apartment i gotta knock on wood while i say that because i know i'll just get an e or get uh something in the mail saying your rent's been in uh but we we realized we've been losing money so yeah (laughs) just Um, shh lay low lay low there you go listen I had a reading once and this guy was like I see you in a smaller apartment by the water soon and I see you going to London and I was like okay well maybe I should start preparing myself that this apartment's gonna leave me at some point which made me so sad Make me yeah. Or or maybe the reader was full of shit. Or that too. You know? I also yeah. I'm interested in New York too. New York is not any cheaper. New York is the prices are ridiculous. But I think in my my dream world would be to be bi coastal. I would love that. If I could just have enough money to go back and forth and have these cheap apartments or sleep on someone's couch, that's fine. Yeah. Um but anyway, back to Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, you know, they're I understand kind of the limitations they have and that so many people are making stuff. It's it's hard to keep up with it. I do think that they need to get better at communicating with the people that are using their platform and also making it easier for us to say, hey, can you review this? And and also us as people that are using the platform, really be sure that we are aligning with the TOS. It doesn't make it fair. Like I, I don't love that certain sites you can do this and you can't do whatever. But I also remember being 12 or 13 years old and making fan videos and fan fiction and using my p- parents' credit card to buy bandwidth. You know what I'm saying? Like having my own website. So at the same time that I'm super hypercritical of all these websites and these apps, I also understand how expensive it is to run them. And I there is a part of me that's thankful that I'm not paying for the two gigabytes or whatever. Like I can upload a video at any point with as much stuff as I want and I'm not paying for any of it. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of, I, I sit on the line a little bit where I appreciate what I have, but also uh, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So since, since that happened, it's, it, I don't know, thrust you into being, oh, my notifications on, sorry, thrust you into being a, I don't know, body positive icon. I don't know if that's the right word, but you are very much a very strong voice with a large platform in the body positive community, Yeah, which 
Um, recently, you posted a video why I'm not body positive. <laughs> and I thought that was a tight video, by the way. That video was kick-ass. Thank yeah. <laughs> so it was about the Tess Holiday Cosmo cover that just came out, like, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what what was that all about? And why are you not body positive, even though you're, you are a body positive icon? Yeah. Um, yeah, that video itself, it, I feel like I black out and I just say things and then I upload them and they make sense <laughs> to me. <And> <laughs> but I never remember exactly what I said. Like, I wish I wish I could. Yeah. For, that's I mean, a Scorpio. That's a Scorpio. I'm just making stuff. Uh, for that specifically, I, I think I've always um, felt conflicted and not really felt a part of any specific community. I probably felt the most a part of the YouTube community mm-hmm. early on because I've been there since 2006. But even that, it's like you you kind of find yourself in these smaller groups of people that you connect with and you, you start to lose a little bit of like, oh, I'm a part of this bigger group. And I think for me with body positivity, I have had a lot of really cool things happen, but I don't always feel... Like, I'm not invited to, like, the curvy cons and the things mm. like that, you know? Like, no one's really reaching out to me. And, and I think part of that is because I'm not necessarily, like, a fashion blogger. And I'm not, like, super happy and out here and whatever. And I'm also not doing super analytical, like, deep in the trenches of the theory of it. I'm kind of in this middle place where, at the end of the day, I'm really just a person who doesn't want to hate themselves and I don't feel like I should have to. I feel like there's all these qualities about me that are great and I've spent my entire life being made to feel like you can't do this until you reach this certain weight. You can't, um, you can't be this person. And, uh, early on doing YouTube, I would get messages from people, especially younger women saying, Oh, I want to do this. I want to make music like you, but I look, I, we look the same and I see the comments you get. And I think it just, I run on fire, you know, like I just, it's, I, 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 I want to prove to everyone that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a Scorpio too. It's like, I, I know that there is a different way. So I find myself in this place where a lot of times when people, especially as the body positivity movement grows and now everyone's body positive and that's the thing that sells magazines and everyone, you know, and I see all these people putting body positive on everything. And I'm like, I don't, you wouldn't fight for me. Like I've been here since the beginning having these conversations and all of a sudden it's it's marketable and it's fun. But at the end of the day, you're still going to make comments about how, well, yeah, I mean, people might like fat girls, but like, you know, you, people are attracted to healthy people. And I'm like, you sound so idiotic right now. Like you when you're attracted to someone, I I, I just I hate hypocrisy about things where it's like, are you are you handing them a questionnaire asking them like their family history and all of their health issues? Because it's just not true that you can look at someone and know everything that they have or that they've been through. And also to look at someone and be like, I'm going to ignore all of your personal experience, any trauma or survival that you've had. And I'm going to reduce you down to, well, fat or not. And would I, would I fuck you or not? That's, it does that's not interesting to me. There's bigger things going on and I feel connected to more stuff than that. Right. Um, so I get in fights sometimes with people that want to claim body positivity, but only want to claim it in the way that feels comfortable to them and aren't looking at the bigger picture of you should have the right to like yourself and to feel good in your body. You also need to extend that to other people that make you feel uncomfortable. And then you need to get to the root of why you feel uncomfortable. And that's projection of a body that you're scared of having. So just fucking say that. Mm-hmm. Just be real. Just be honest about whatever your anxiety or your fear is about my body so that we can actually have a conversation. And so I just think a lot of people 
are fake about it and and take things um, without understanding the history of them. And I still don't understand the history of everything. I'm still learning constantly. But I understand that life is long and that I don't have the right to tell someone how they should feel in their body while they're living their life. You're surviving. That's enough right now. Right. And I just I have a lot of empathy for people because I've been through a lot of stuff and I've had to be there for myself. And so everything that I'm trying to do online just feels like a a completely different path than some of these body positivity people. I'm like, you're here to sell a fucking tea. Like, you know, you're here to sell a waist trainer. Like, <laughs> you're not that I just I was so sad the other day because I watched this girl who um just Libby, who she does these great videos. She's got like these long nails and she's like very fucking positive and she's very about like fuck live your life, fuck them. And all of a sudden I click on a video and it's like she's rubbing some kind of tightening cream on her stomach and putting plastic wrap over her. And I, I, first of all, she's not even disclosing it's a sponsorship. Bitch, I know it's a sponsorship. I've been doing this long enough that I know the language of it. And then you're putting plastic wrap over your stomach. Like that's a thing we do. And it just, I, I get frustrated when people are like, here's the message, but ooh, I'm going to sell you some shit that really doesn't work because people want to capitalize off of whatever my message was. Right. I just, I don't know. I mean, if it's bondage, that's okay. That's but <laughs> You know, but like exactly. getting rid of cellulite by, you know, wrapping yourself in saran wrap and butter probably yeah, just like, isn't the best. You know. I'm not a scientist, but this doesn't feel like science. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, it's fucking snake oil. You know, I got one comment and uh, a question. My comment is, I hate the fucking living. I just hate the living. Fuck them all. Fair, um, same. And my, and my question is, there's this weird dichotomy yeah. where it's okay. I'm a big guy. Yeah. Like I'm probably around 240, 250. Yeah. I got a gut, and it's okay for me to be like this because dad bod. Yeah, yeah. What what is what is that about? Yeah, right. You know why why is there that it's okay for guys to do it, but you know there's not you know you don't hear hashtag mom bod. Yeah, right. I well, got that. Well, they, but the thing is, the thing is, <laughs> they will give you some leniency for being bigger if you've had children. Right. So they're like, oh, well, yeah, we want you to snap back because we want you to look like a Kardashian. But you've had kids. So you've sacrificed yourself for the greater good. So, you know what? It's okay if you're a little tubby. And as someone that doesn't really want kids and has that has a body already that, you know, is bigger. um, Yeah, it's something I question a lot. I really love this poet, Sonia Renee. um, And she talks about how the body is not an apology. and, And I've learned a lot from her. And I think especially in the ways of how it's just historically we've looked especially at at certain bodies, typically women's bodies, and the world has tried to say how much space you can take up. It's control. It's entirely about control. If I can control how much space you feel like you can take up, I control what you think you can eat. I can control what you think you deserve. And that keeps you below me. So I, I think it really comes down to this desire to – you know, I've said this before, but we grow up feeling like we need to hate ourselves. I've had the experience of like being in a group of women where they're going around. It's such a mean girls like story, but it's a reality of going around talking about all the things they hate about themselves. And then it got to me and I was like, I'm fine right now. Like I don't need, I don't, I'm not sitting here thinking about like all these surgeries and stuff I need. And they didn't know how to react at first. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, I mean, but you're so pretty. Yeah, you're so pretty. Your nose is so nice. Blah, your blah, face. You have such face. a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's such a weird where you know also that they're, like your body would be a nightmare for them to have um, because they don't they can barely uh, get through this world not hating themselves with the body they do have, which the world loves. Right. Um, I think there's just a difference in the way that we treat 
a lot of people and marginalized groups, but especially with men and women of like what you're allowed to have and what, what space you're allowed to take up. I think that you're allotted more space to take up and, um, the, the stereotypes of what you may or may not be don't, uh, rest as hard in the fact of like, you need to be desirable. If you're not desirable to everyone, if everyone doesn't want to fuck you and marry you and make children with you, then like, what is the point of you being here? And I think our society struggles with that. Like, what do we do with these people that aren't here to serve us? <laughs> like what, if you're not having children, how do we make you feel bad about not wanting to have kids? If you're not losing weight, how do we make you feel bad about not wanting to do that? And I think society doesn't know what to do when you're like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. So I've been seeing something really interesting lately. Um, friends and colleagues that I have that are truly body positive, you know, they're not the snake oil, you know, wrapping themselves up people, but truly positive body positive people have been kind of slowly coming out one by one, like me, for my own personal reasons. I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight. And it's not a value <laughs> judgment on you. I, I don't it. think fat is bad, but this is for my personal reasons. And I feel ashamed or I'm being yeah. ridiculed. Have you seen that? And what do you think of that? Oh, I've experienced that, which really? is probably why I find myself at odds sometimes with the community. But also now as I'm getting older, I understand it in a different way than I did when I was like 25, 26. So I had a back issue, mm -hmm. um, which I recently, so I didn't go to the doctor for a long time, mostly because I didn't have health insurance, but also because every time I've gone to a doctor, I've had a horrible experience. Of, Me too. I, I am with you I on that. Hospital, either I end up in the hospital. Like the last time I went to uh, a doctor, I was young and I ended up like 12 years old with a gallbladder surgery, you know? So it's just like, I have a fear of wow. Wow, when I show up here, I end up in the hospital. I've also had the experience of showing up in a doctor wouldn't get a bigger cuff to do my blood pressure and wanted me to hold the cuff closed with my hand. And then was like, well, you have high blood pressure. And I said, well, that's again, that's not science. Um, I don't think that's how that works. And even against me saying, well, okay, then tell me, I, I, I'd rather look at other avenues than medicine on my way out had prescribed me medicine that they were trying to give me. So I just had this experience of not being listened to by medical professionals and being undermined when I, you know, I'm willing to take on what you're saying, but I also know my body. And so how do we work together? Right. Um, but I had this back issue. I had degenerative discs in my back and I started having, um, like my back would go out and I was living at home in Michigan and I would be in so much pain and not, didn't have any medical insurance. I would spend a month in bed. I would have these spasms. I remember my mom and my brother, like both trying to like hold me down as I'm screaming in pain to just like massage my back to take me to the bathroom. Like it was just a very humbling experience. And I think anytime you deal with any kind of chronic pain or anything that, uh, you're at the mercy of other people to take care of you. It just really changes. It changes a lot for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so at the time I was told by a chiropractor, someone that, you know, listen, your back looks like at that point you're in your thirties and you ride horses. So I would recommend that you lose some weight. And I said, okay, I'll try it. I lost 70 pounds in like three months. Like I lost a crazy amount of weight so quickly. And when I look back, I'm like, I absolutely, I didn't think I was starving myself. When I look at how much I was eating, I was absolutely starving myself. And uh, at the end of the 70 pounds, my back went out again. Mm. And it was just like, wow, okay, so I did all the things I was supposed to do and I still am dealing with the pain. I'm just smaller. Um, but I was sharing this journey at the same time and I got a lot of pushback and a lot of critique from people that uh, in the community about what it said about me and, and oh, this all everything you've said is a lie. 
And at the time, I felt super defensive about it. Like, no, I'm just trying to do what I need to do for me. Now that I'm a little bit older, I under, again, I understand both sides of it. It's, I think at the end of the day, you have to do for you what feels good and what feels right. And if losing weight or gaining weight or getting surgery or whatever it is, like you are the one that lives with your body. You get to decide, who am I to say, don't get your nose done when I have fucking eyebrows that are microbladed, you know, when I'm covered in tattoos, like Mm I have decided to adorn my body in a certain way that makes me feel good. But I do think that at the core of everything you do, you have to ask yourself, is this something that I really want to do? Or is this something that I've been programmed and made to feel like I should do because it'll make my life easier? If I think I'm going to walk out of this surgery or walk out of this weight loss, and all of a sudden, all the people that didn't love me are going to love me, I need to ask myself if those are the people that are worth loving. And there's a lot of work that people don't talk about that has to go on internally, because it's not going to just shift the course of your life and make it easier. It's actually going to fuck you up a little bit because you're going to realize people treat you differently. And you're going to start being paranoid about all the relationships you had. Wow, Mm -hmm. you must have thought I really looked like shit before. Like, why are you treating me like this now? So I also struggle with like how to have space for everyone that's going through their own thing. But also understand that the reflection of what you're doing can send a message. And so you have to kind of ride this line of it's so weird. It's like you shouldn't have to defend yourself. To right. Other people. This is where I'm getting stuck. And like the the day that I saw your video of why I'm not body positive, I was yeah. having like this, I'm not going to say breakdown, but I was just like, you know, thinking all the things that you just said, like there are some yeah. situations if you're doing it for you and you're doing it for the quote, right reasons and da da da, then yeah. you got to do what you got to do. But then I'm like, who are we to judge what the right reasons are? Right? And what it's are like, the right reasons? You know, and then in my head was like, guys, <laughs> you guys, I feel like such a dick right now. I'm eating a chili dog in my eyes as you guys are talking about this. And I feel a little bad. You're doing for you what really. you want to you know do, what? you know? Yeah, you get to take up as much space as you want, man. So it's fine. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I'm not going to feel guilty about fuck that. I'm sorry. I'm going to eat my chili dog and be quiet. Yeah, right. Intuitive eating. You intuitively want that chili dog. Totally. Um, oh, yeah, I want that chili dog. I think, you know. I get caught up a lot of times because I understand both sides of it. And it's like, and I, and I, I want to push things forward, but I also want to give people space and be empathetic to them. And I think what I'm starting to realize, and maybe why I pull back in some ways from a lot of this stuff is we're all doing the best we can. We're really all just doing the best we can. And, you know, I can't sit here and say, oh, you're really fucked up because you lost weight. I've done it. And I also understand the mindset that could be behind it. And I understand what it's like to live with a family that your entire life makes you feel like, well, if you just lose weight, then things will be okay. Right. And it's really hard to to dismantle that um, when you are around those people and when we're surrounded by media that reminds us to it's it's. It's a trap that a lot of us fall into, if not all of us. And I think I just have a lot of patience and empathy for people that are going through it. And it is, it's, I struggle with it too, as far as like, okay, well, if I'm focusing on what, what health is to me and how my body feels, and if that does include me working out or if that does include me doing these things, do I share that online? Yeah. And how do I talk about it? And then what is the reaction that I might get? You're 10 steps ahead of just making the choice. And, um, I, I just try to come at it from a place of, look, 
I'm going to do the things that make my body feel good. That might be in the food that I eat. That might be in the way that I move. That might be in laying here and watching three seasons of Australia's Next Top Model. That's whatever it is. And that's for me. And the most I can do is really try to figure out why I'm doing that, why I feel that way, and be in tune with myself. I don't have to explain to other people. But if I do, there needs to be a little understanding that your experience is not my experience and not everyone's on the same path at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there are things that people told me when I was 26 that didn't resonate with me. And now that I'm 30, almost about, almost about to be 33, I'm like, Oh wow, that makes sense. Sometimes you got to drop the knowledge. You got to give a little gem and you got to let it grow. It takes years. You can't sit there and be like, this is how it is. Change your life and say that you agree with me or else I'm angry. That's how the internet works now. And that's just not realistic. Right, right. So I give people the space and the time to grow into who they're going to be. And that might, and that might not be someone that aligns with me or that I feel comfortable watching their stuff. Maybe I mute their thread for while they're going through it. I have a friend that she works out every day. She's lost like 150 pounds. A lot of her posts are about her um, working, like j- being very diligent. And I'm like, I need to give myself 45 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it is. And then she goes home and eats like a tub of Halo Top. And that's like her dinner. And I look at that and I'm like, I understand that you're trying to get to this place and and you're trying to lose this weight quickly and, and also balance it with whatever. But when I see that, it kind of triggers me a little bit. It's like, I, 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 it fucks with me. So I love you, but I have to mute your thread for right now. I have to, I have to pull back so that I'm not sitting there, uh, you know, feeling wrapped up in your decision. You have to go through what you're going to go through. Right. And it doesn't, it's not something that I have to see right now. Um, I just wish you well and maybe I need to pull back so I'm not fucked up. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sometimes, you know, everybody's going to die of cancer, so just eat a couple chili dogs and smoke a bowl. There, Fuck it. Honestly, though, you know, we fucked, <laughs> Seriously. We fucked up the planet. We can't even right. get the right person in who would the fuck of whoever that would be into the White House. Nothing's changing. Things are... Presidents are stupid. <laughs> All presidents. Fuck presidents. Presidents are just goddamn stupid. It's outdated. It is. It's just, you know, we're we're living in a world where it's like all you can really do is try to make sure that people around you feel loved and are good and take care of each other because it's all on a ground level. It no one's coming to save us. Nothing is going to fix anything. We kind of just have to take care of each other and uh and and first step is taking care of you and knowing who you are so you can even take care of other people. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the second step is California. You need to up your chili dog game and your pizza game because it's it's say. a little weak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, neither of those. I, I Michigan Coney's oh, are awesome. Chicago Pizza is the fucking bomb. You know what I miss the most, and it's a chain place, but I, I don't care. I, I'll be judged. Um, I miss Potbellies every day. <gasps> oh, I love Potbellies. Potbellies is so good. Every time I go to New York, and now they have them in Toronto, I get Potbellies. I plan my day around it. I've taken so many friends to it and just watched their face as they have it for the first time. And I took this guy in New York to go get the sandwich, and he's eating it, and I'm watching him because I'm creepy, and I just need to know that you love this as much as I do and he looked at me he goes every bite's like the first bite and I'm like yes there it is every bite is like what, the first what's your sandwich there oh, the, I, I like oh, the, the rack. Italian I, lo- oh, I love an Italian with the works I'm multi-grain I listen being in Los Angeles I'll go to a Bay City's deli I'll have a godmother it's not quite pot bellies but it'll it'll hit no, the spot for fuck a bit. no yeah I'll talk about food all day this is really just <laughs> 
I know. I'm like, oh, food. Oh, but God. Yeah. Loss. Let's talk about how good bread is. Totally. So <laughs> totally. Totally. That was the best thing about having a heart condition is that like I was on keto for a long time <laughs> trying to lose weight. And now I get to eat all oh, the bread. I'm like, it fuck it when at this people, point. I gained like 50 pounds and I don't even care when, because I'm happy. <laughs> people, I'm so goddamn happy. And you're actually healthier. You know, I, I mean, I'm actually healthier right now. Oh my god, I love that because you know what the thing is. So when people leave, the, one of the comments they get the most from people that are just upset with me is um, they like to predict when I'm going to die. That's like their favorite. They what? they love it. They love to throw a. You're not going to make it till thirty. You're not going to make it till sixty. Now, first of all, I've made it till thirty, and I'm fine. And I went to the doctor, and the only thing they put on my chart was obesity. There was no there was no heart disease. There was no diabetes. It was just obesity, which is fucking ridiculous, by the way. That's everybody. That's ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that's all that's, of Ohio is obesity. That's the Midwest. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Um. But they love to predict when I'm going to die. So unfortunately, I've outlived some of their predictions. Um, but when someone says you're going to die by 60, I think I don't want kids and I'm sick of paying rent. So another 30 <laughs> years sounds fucking exhausting. If I got to deal with this shit, like 60 sounds great. Could I die like on a lake house, just like living my life? That sounds fine. Who the fuck wants to live till 90? I've seen how you all treat fucking 90 year olds. And I've seen how you put your family in homes. And I've seen what happens at those homes. I'm good. I'm yeah. set. <laughs> hey, psst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for National Public Radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American Sex. Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift, too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing. Castle Mega store. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money. You'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my God, give me water. Those are the best orgasm ever. And th- But those comments like don't piss you off. I see lots of that. Like, what was what it like? Here you are glorifying obesity, you know? Oh, I want to make a video glorifying obesity so bad. <laughs> I want to, like, go to Santa Monica Pier and just with, like, a bullhorn just yell about how great fatness is and yeah. to follow, the, Chili follow dogs. the way of the lard. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, oh, just do it eating a big thing of ice cream. So, what are you looking at, bitch? You can't have any, huh? Oh, too bad for you. Ooh. Go die of cancer because that's what's going to happen. You're going to exercise and you're going to die of cancer. <laughs> 
Well, I think, I, okay, so I, I think initially, when I first started, I was 19 on, on YouTube. And I would get comments, and it, it's like I hadn't really been made fun of, made fun of since middle school, and it brought all that back to me. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and so I, I think there was a point where I would get stuff like that, and I I would be upset or I would be mad. Now I kind of relish it. Like, I kind of love it because it tells me exactly who you are, and that's – I don't respect that. Like, my friend Michelle posted something on Instagram t- uh, the other day, and it was like, I'm not interested in arguing with you because I don't personally care – if you agree with me or not, <laughs> you know, like, right. I don't, I don't know you. And I think that's kind of the mentality I, I have is when I go into comments, I think, I don't know this person, but when I see you predicting the death of a stranger, you got to get your shit together. Like yeah. you are miserable. You have to be hating your job, hating your family, whatever it is. So if anything, I have empathy for you, but I also know that anything you say, I'm going to respond in a funnier way. So if anything, you are making me a better performer. You're making me better at comedy. You're making me better at dealing with the world. So thank you for the gift. And also stay miserable and die mad about it. Like it's fine. <laughs> I love you. Die mad about like you're all. The, I love when people are like predi- they're like working out every day for like four hours a day, and they look at you and they're like trying to judge everything that's going to happen to you, bitch. And I might fuck your boyfriend. Like what? I, I can I can do anything I put my mind to. So I don't know. I don't know who you're looking at, but um, whatever you're focused on, you're focused on me. Guess what? I'm not focused on you. So you know, keep it to yourself. And if you don't, well. You're an asshole, and that's fine. We can be assholes together, then. That's great. You know what? I don't think I would look at a Kardashian ass twice, and your butt is amazing. Thank you. I would, like, <laughs> that's a butt. Thank you. Like, it's a, it's you know, a, I'm sorry if that's, that, that seems... Is, okay. No, I'll take it. I just it. didn't want to come across as... Oh, but Yeah, you, you, your ass Thank is Thank nice. you. I appreciate it. Listen, I did not grow up thinking that. And it's kind of a flat butt, honestly. But I got good under butt. And if you take a photo from the right angle... Yeah. It looks, you know, it's... If anything, I think what I've learned through the Booty Revolution stuff and just photographing myself... because. Pretty much all of my photos are just me like setting up my iPhone and like taking a screen grab of a video or, um, you know, doing whatever. I've realized that there are a lot of things about my body that I like and that I have to acknowledge that photo looks really good and you know what went into it and you know that you didn't Photoshop it and you know that the lighting or whatever, you have to acknowledge that you look great or that, that this is beautiful about you or these parts of you that you struggle with, like, it still looks fucking great in this photo. So what you're seeing through this lens, you have to take a second and think that's how other people see me too. Right. Um, yeah. And I talk about this. I, I, well, I think we'll get into it or uh, my video about my grandma. Yeah. But one of the things that I really learned from my grandma, um, and I, I went through the process of getting her or being with my family while she was in a nursing home and then getting her back home. And so I was in the process of cleaning her, feeding her, bathing her, all of that. And the thing I remember the most when people ask me, you know, why do you feel the way you feel about your body or why do you feel good about yourself? It really, there was a, a light bulb moment where when I was taking care of her and my grandma is like naked in front of us, we're taking care of her. And there was never a moment I looked at her and thought, oh, wow, this is really flabby. Oh, wow. She's really big. I just looked at her as someone I love that I need to take care of. And so I try to remember that of like when people love you and they care about you, they're not looking at you in the way that you are looking at yourself. They really just want to take care of you and they find a lot of beauty in the space where you don't. And I think about that all the time. And I just know that like it doesn't matter if strangers think I'm ugly or they hate how my skin looks. I don't fucking know you. My friends love me and my friends make me feel good about myself. And if you don't have those kinds of relationships, that's a problem for you, not me. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, and, and I know that you were saying you grew up getting 
teased. And I can only imagine, like, as you got to your teen years, you know, because you said you were teased, yeah. bullied in middle school, right? Oh, yeah. Middle school was the worst for me. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like a, I didn't have an experience of like every day I went home and, and someone was following me to harass me or, or, you know, pushing me in a lock or anything. I just had these very clear moments of, um, you know, like my, I was just thinking about this today. Like when I was 12 years old, they went to my first sixth grade dance. And I remember, you know, sitting out in the little auditorium area, eating my little pizza, pizza, a piece of pizza. And, um, these two older girls coming up to me and laughing and wanting to ask me something. And little like naive baby me was like, what? And they were like, we want to know if you're pregnant. And they started <sighs> laughing. And I remember at the time saying, no. And walking away and throwing my pizza away and just trying to keep my shit together. And this was also the same night that like these boys were telling me, oh, this guy wants to dance with you. This kid wants to dance with you, blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking over as they were like laughing to him to tell him. And he looked at me and he just looked so disgusted. And so I had these two very like clear experiences. I remember getting in the car and just started crying. My mom picked me up and, uh, I'll never forget what she said, but, and I've made a lot of peace with it now because we've come full circle from this moment. Mm -hmm. But the thing she said to me is, Megan, with the way you look, people are going to say things. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I remember being like, what bitch? You're supposed to tell me I'm perfect. Right? Like, what, the, what the fuck kind of mom are you? Like, <laughs> but. You know, to make that full circle, years and years later, when this booty revolution stuff happened, I made the mistake of reading the comments on like a Daily Mail post. And a lot of it was, you know, the worst stuff you can think of, of like, no one would even rape this bitch. She's so ugly, like just awful. And um my mom is uh, my mom's low key a pool shark. Um So she, nice. was, in, she awesome. was in Vegas at a tournament, like playing with a team. She's she's a bad bitch. Um She makes questionable life decisions with uh, my dad uh, <laughs> nine I ball or eight ball uh i think she does nine ball oh i love nine ball okay yeah sorry she, listen she carries a little stick around wait She's... a minute sweetheart you play pool i used to play pool before i knew you when wow. i was a completely different the different me that wow. you didn't know hey, let's go on a pool date do you want to go on yeah. a pool date oh look at that we're all learning things about each other i know I right <laughs> i didn't know my wife nine ball. Pool. I played eight nine ball, and ball. Nine ball. Wow. love nine ball yeah damn get into it i used to go to um, the pool hall and play for like six seven hours at a time holy mm. shit you're like a pool yeah. shark you guys are falling in love um <laughs> all over again <laughs> it's like brand new um so anyway so i show up to this to vegas to see her and uh and i'm i'm just upset like i was just in a bad mood i'd driven this whole way and thinking about it and my mom looked at me she's like what's wrong and I, and I told her and she said megan fuck those people they don't know who you are and I was like, bitch, why couldn't you tell me this when I was 12 years old? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but when I look at that, I think, you know what? I have to have a lot of empathy for my mom and where she grew up and how she grew up. She was a cheerleader. She didn't know how to raise a fat kid. She didn't know how to deal with the things that come along with it. She was doing the best she could. So, uh, you know, listen, there's a lot of conversation to have about like, should I have been on diet suppressants when I was 13? Should my mom have been lying about my age to get me into a gym? Should I have been going to fat camp when I was 12? There's a lot of things that to talk about there and maybe trauma, but the reality is she was doing the best she could to show me she loved me and, and she wanted me to be okay. And now that we've 
gotten older and I've been through these, this experience, I find myself feeding back into her and the way she feels about her body because I find that she's more comfortable with herself because of the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm talking about. Wow. And I'm giving that gift back to her by undoing the mistakes that she made, but also giving her the freedom to be who she couldn't be growing up and to feel comfortable. And it's not going to be perfect, but just because my mom grew up a certain way or feels a certain way, I don't have to take that on. And that's something that I'm learning in my 30s now is like, I get to undo this and I get to make different mistakes and also have different triumphs. And that has nothing to do with you or how you feel about your body. Man, I'm 47 and I'm still trying to undo that. I feel like I've been here before. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I'm not necessarily like a hugely like what happens after you die. But some, I feel, I was telling my friend this the other day. I go, when I was in third grade, this girl, I won't give her name, but I remember it gave me shit because I had two best friends and she was mad about it. How can you have two best friends? And um, she wrote me this note and this whole note, she put it on my desk and I little like baby Scorpio me didn't read the note. I ripped the note up and put it back on her desk. (laughs) 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 My friend Michelle was like, bitch, you've been here before. Like that is not something a child does. And I was like, I think I just came into the world knowing, yeah, all of you aren't shit. And I, I also remember being in second grade, the first time someone or first grade, the first time someone called me fat, really, or that I remember, um, this kid was whispering during a story time that I was like, fat, fat. I, instead of crying, raised my hand. And when the teacher called on me, I pointed at him and I said, he's calling me fat. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So I think I, I try to remember that. And it's like, of course, I'm the way that I am right now. And of course, I call shit out when it doesn't feel good. Because some point along the way, I was made to believe, like, if you don't feel good about it, say something. Right. And I'm not perfect at that. I've been through a lot of things where I wasn't perfect at that. But I do have that energy about, like, you're not going to say shit to me to make me feel bad about myself because I know who the fuck I am, even when I'm eight years old. (laughs) Damn. And you know what, though? You are so good at it. That's one thing that I really respect about you is, like, I could feel a thing about, like, I've I'm feeling a thing about a certain subject and it feels kind of funky to me, but I don't know why. And and then I can't put it. And then I watch you talk about it and I'm like, she said, just said every single thing I'm feeling (laughs) in the most succinct, articulate way that I never could in my life, but would want to. Like you are really good at just drilling down like through all the bullshit and getting straight to the heart of what the fuck is really going on. That is my favorite compliment (laughs) I've ever gotten or that I ever get is when people are like, bitch, you're saying exactly what I want to say, but I couldn't think of how to say it. Right. And I'm, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from specifically. I think that's probably a mix of, um, spending a lot of time, alone and uh and figuring out how i would respond to people if i felt strong enough to do it and then also probably surrounding myself with really snarky smart people and um and also songwriting i think doing the music thing for a long time you figure out how do i take what i'm feeling and put it into a story or a line Mm. just a line that will make you have chills that will just like connect with you so i think like when i think when i think about like when people are like, well, what do you want to do? What's the dream? What do you, I, I, the, I don't know what I want to do. I, I like doing music. I like doing podcasting. I like doing videos. But the core of what I like doing is I like connecting the things I see in the world and the things I feel in a way with words that other people really, uh, lead into. Yeah. And, um, can take it and use it in their own lives. Like my goal is if I make a video and I respond to, 
like sometimes I do these ASMR comment responses where I just like in a very sweet, whispery voice tell people to go fuck themselves because they told me to die. <laughs> I just like I just like to get my like my ASMR voice on, and it's it's the funniest. I'm doing it because it's fucking funny as shit to me. But I love the idea of some younger girl watching me who gets that comment from someone or someone says that to them in school, and now they have a comeback. Now they know yeah. that they can push back, and it's okay. I didn't have that growing up. I just felt like bothered by things and i didn't have the freedom of like just say it just mm-hmm. do it um and now i do because i'm an adult and i can do whatever the fuck i want so yeah thank you for that god, like god damn i wish my little sister was alive to hear this yeah. um wendy died very early she was 37 when she passed uh and she was very heavy growing up and didn't really and she she died of something called humoral immune deficiency syndrome she had cancer diabetes like a whole bunch of different things but she always struggled with her weight and i did not have a weight problem so when i heard the heathers going after her i would do things to protect my little sister and just be a mean scorpio at the same time so i'd go behind the three skinniest bitches that were picking on my sister and i was like hey adam i think the fat one's cute just to see how they and they were all looking at each other like figuring out which one the fat one was but i really you know i really think people would get a lot out of this um like then thank you for that like it's just amazing giving people the the verbal ammunition that they need to go tell the the chads and the heathers of the worlds to go fuck themselves and chad and heather go fuck yourself (laughs) i think it's just i I look at those people that made fun of me and uh, first of all i don't remember most of their names because i'm not giving that kind of fucking power but um i i there's something in me that just I'm I when I look at someone talking to me in a certain way, I'm not I'm not really hearing what they're saying. I'm seeing them. And it's like, wow, you're fucking hurt. Like, wow, someone along the way told you this exact same thing that you're telling me. It was probably a parent and you really internalized this shit. So there's something about me that's so fascinated about the inner workings of like what led you to this moment? What what are all the things that made you like this? I'm more focused on that than I am like what you're saying to me. Because the fuck what you're saying to me, that means nothing to me. I don't know you. But I'm interested in why you got to that place where you think it's okay to say that shit to someone. That tells me a lot about you and you need to heal yourself. So I think it's like having this kind of this wall up for bullshit. And I said this the other day, but it's like, if you're committed to your bullshit, then you're going to feel my absence. And that's just how it is. And so people want, they want to get a rise out of you. Oh, you'll get a rise out of me, but I'm going to say shit that you're not going to recover from because I've been paying attention to every little thing you've done or said. And so I picked up on the insecurity you have. And I'm going to say it in the greatest, funniest way that you could ever think of. You're not even going to understand what I'm saying until years later when all of a sudden it hits you and you're like, God damn, that bitch saw me for who I was. <laughs> Ooh, you're like a snarky verbal ninja. You're I awesome. I love like that. A little, little mental terrorism on that ass. Just like throw it out Fuck there. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have no, and when I, and I'm in situations where I don't know what's happening, which is most of the time, I also feel comfortable saying, I don't understand this. I don't get it. This is what my feeling says. This is what, like, this is what my heart says, this is what my gut says, but I don't have all the information. And so there is room here for me to learn. And I think a lot of people online aren't willing to do that. I'm willing to be wrong, but there's a reason why I have the feeling I have. And so in order for me to realize I'm wrong, it's like, just present me with, you know, whatever you need to show me. And I'm yeah. logical. Yeah. 
God, I fucking love you. Seriously. Like, (laughs) and you know, you were like, you've been here before and I'm, I'm the least woo person, but like, seriously, you have, you know, (laughs) yeah, like I, I'm 47. It took me, you know, horrifically abusive relationships and just like getting taken and getting walked on and abused. And so I finally feel like I'm like at, at just the first step of kind of where you are and it's like you just like popped out like this you know <laughs> yeah but you know what but i still make enough mistakes to make it interesting because yeah i love staying around i love staying in like a like a shitty situationship and just like really milking the pain of that but i think part of that is like i need to write a song so <laughs> ah, <laughs> I need need to, to, everything's content everything yeah, is content everything is content yeah. um but yeah i i think i I have really good intuition about things and I do feel wise on things that I don't know where that came from because it definitely didn't come from my fucking parents. Um, I don't know what book I read <laughs> along the way that helps <laughs> me. Um, but I also, I'm down to have the experience and I'm down to, to figure it out and be in the middle of it and be messy. Nice. Um, so I still make, I still make a good amount of mistakes, but I, I always trust myself that I'm going to figure my way out of it and that I'm going to figure out a beautiful way to explain it. Yeah. Oh, so a day for Margaret. Yeah. I watched it, um, a few nights ago and I cried my fucking face off. God damn so- it. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. So uh, tell the listeners what what is a day for Margaret and how did it come about and kind of how how did it change you? Yeah. Um, so 2014, I believe my grandma, I was on tour and I got a call from my brother saying that my grandma had fallen into a diabetic coma. And uh, I had to play a show that night, which was the hardest show I've ever played. And then I had to drive back home. Um, thinking that I was going to come home for a funeral and that bitch woke up on Easter because she's like Jesus. And uh, <laughs> she opened her eyes and was talking and it was like, okay, you scared us, grandma. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, and then we went through the process of getting her out of a hospital to a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up staying back in Michigan for a few months and getting her from a nursing home back to our house. Now, up until this point, she was like, 89 years old, 88 years old, driving, like just the most stubborn little Southern woman, didn't give a fuck. And uh, and she'd been my person. She was a really big uh, person in my life. She'd always taken care of us when we were kids and always been around. She moved in with us when I was in high school because my uncle died and my mom was like, I want her closer to us. And um, seeing, you know, just see, she's a very independent person. So just seeing her go through the process of like, she was running her own, she was alone, just living in her own house, like without kids and having to like, live in a house with other people. It was just fascinating. Wow. But um, she's just a really strong person. I loved her a lot. And we had a very close bond. And uh, we got her out of the hospital. And we had another two years. And I had moved to Los Angeles. Or I was moving to Los Angeles at this point. So I wasn't home as often as I wanted to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I loved her. Um, and my brother came out to visit. So my brother is a, a nurse. Mm-hmm. And at the time that she had gone into a coma... Um, he'd been there to kind of like make sure that we called 911 and everything happened, but he was visiting me and we were at Disneyland and, uh, my grandma had passed away. And mm. so, uh, what had, what actually happened was my, she, see this bitch, she has great last words too. Like Margaret was the greatest. So my mom came downstairs and there was this electric lazy boy thing. 
my grandma was not about it. She's like, I don't understand this, this fucking electronic, whatever this devil is. I don't understand it. But my grandma was sitting in it. So my mom came downstairs and said, oh, grandma, how'd you, how'd you get in it? My grandma goes, well, you know me, if I put my mind to something, I can do anything. Now, that's the last thing she said to my mom before oh. my mom took her to like go to the bathroom. And while they were there, she said my grandma's face just changed. Like her eyes just kind of glazed over and she fell forward. And my mom caught her and laid her down and was with her while she passed. Wow. Um, and it was interesting because my mom, my mom doesn't say this now, but I remember her very clearly saying this was she struggled for a long time wondering if she did the right thing by calling 911. Um, you know, this, this was an older woman that could have gone in her sleep and then we put her through another two years of pain mm. and was it worth it? But I think it was worth it because my mom and my grandma fought a lot. And then I think all of a sudden to be in a position where they had to be dependent on each other and they could tell each other they loved each other every day. It really healed their relationship in a lot of ways. Right. So my mom being there with her the second time around and being there with her as she went, I think it was just a really full circle thing for her. Now, I'm in Los Angeles at Disneyland eating churros with my brother. My brother gets a phone call from my mom, and my mom's like, you cannot tell your sister until you get home. I didn't realize this at the time. I'm just hanging out. And so we finally get home, and I get a call from my mom at 1 a.m. Like, why is mom calling me? And I looked at my brother, and I knew instantly why she was calling me. And from that point on, you know, it was just like you go through the whole, like, I went back to Michigan. I think that was one of the last times I went back to Michigan for a funeral and um, there were all, it was actually, this was an interesting year because this was also the same year that booty revolution stuff happened a few months later. I remember sitting there and thinking, I just need something good to happen. I just need something good to happen. And I feel, I really, you know, if anyone did that for me, it was Margaret. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that just changed the course of my entire life and how I feel about myself. I also was dealing with, um, I was about to be disowned by my dad, Who's a piece of shit? Um, he's a Pisces. Um, (laughs) he's a Pisces. My mom's a Taurus, so she's just going to stay in it for fucking ever. Um, but I got disowned because I stood up for her and my dad and I, who have never had really a fight, uh, I reached out to him on Father's Day and said, Hey, I love you, but, um, I, I, I need you to fix things to be part of my life. And he said, fuck you, bitch. Don't ever speak to me like that again. Forget that I'm your father. Like that was our first and last fight. And uh, and my responses to him were like, wow, I'm really ashamed of you. I asked you to be a person. He's like, I hope your life's as shitty as your attitude. And I was like, wow, dad. Like, I was just so calm in it. <laughs> wow. It's, it's like, I've been here before and you're trash. Hi. <laughs> like, but seriously, um, it's true Tanja's form. Like, to oh, just yeah. calmly be like, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> my, roommate, my roommate tells me it's scary because I, like, I cried immediately when I got that message. But then I go into the zone where I get very calm and I'm very focused and I'm on my phone and I'm just typing. I'm just typing. And Keith is like, oh, God, I knew what you were doing instantly. It's like I just I focus and I'm like, how can I say the most painful thing that I could say to him to let him know I'm not to be fucked with? And I remember saying, wow. Grandma would be so ashamed of you right now. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, so good. But anyway, that was a that was a I deviated from the story. But essentially, a year after my grandma's death, coming up on the anniversary of it, I was I didn't know what to do. I was in Los Angeles, and I'm like, I I'm gonna sit in bed and cry all day. I don't want to do that. And I thought, okay, what would Margaret do today? What would she want you to do today? And so I went on this long hike by myself 
in this really beautiful part of um, like Topanga Canyon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I, I don't even remember. I'm, this might have been the year I got a tattoo too. I think I got a tattoo. I, I went to the beach and I just like, I sat on the sand at nighttime by myself and I just, I thought about her and I cried and I went and got dinner by myself and I left a really big tip because I feel like that's, we always went to dinners. Like, I mean, in the Midwest, it's like, ooh, you're going to go to Olive Garden or Red Lobster for your birthday. Totally like, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Yeah, wait, Maybe if you're feeling you really fancy, like uh, Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love. Oh, don't even start with me on Outback Steakhouse because that was like my blooming onions. Oh, that was like my Sunday night family dinner place. I but love it's that. It's so good. It's so good. It oh is. God, I'll I'll talk about it all day. The <laughs> bread is so good. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I had this whole day with myself, and I shared it online, and I used the hashtag a day for Margaret, and I just let people know like I'm spending today with my grandma, essentially. What ended up happening, uh, between then and all the, uh, upcoming years that I've done it was people started, uh, sharing what they were doing that day and using the hashtag. I had a friend of mine who runs a food truck that was like, uh, she made a little Southern menu and she called it the day for Margaret menu and, and like shared that online and people just like hanging out with their kids or remembering someone that they lost. Um, and it kind of just started growing from there. So every year on April 9th, I tend to be doing stuff, sharing it online, even if it doesn't have to be anything big. Though this last year I went to Hawaii by myself mm-hmm. and I kind of like, I'd, I'd been to a gifting suite and I got like two free nights at some place. And, uh, I was just waiting for the right opportunity. And two days before I said, well, why don't I just use my points and book a flight? And I got this hotel for a few days and I'll just, I'll just do it by myself. And I just hung out on the beach and I did exactly, you know, went to dinner, did all, did all the things and just imagine like what she would have wanted. That's now, really cool. Thank you. As yeah. that's grown, I have a lot of people that are like, oh, I lost my dad or I lost my sister or I lost whoever. And on the day of their death, instead of me sitting and, and crying and being upset and being fucked up that whole week, I really want to go do these things that either they would want to do or I want to do and use it as a, t- a way to spend time with them. And I, I found for me, it's like I didn't really grow up being taught how to mourn things. Mm-hmm. Um my uncle died when it, well, <clears throat> my uncle died when I was 16 and I, I have very vivid memories of seeing my family deal with it, but we didn't really talk about it. It's kind of just like in, in Michigan, it's like, you got to get through the season. You got to get through the winter. Like we're just going to get through the summer. It's always, we're just going to get through, but no one really digs down into like no processing, no yeah. nothing. Yeah. The most, I mean, I think the thing we did with my grandma, which is, was helpful is we kept talking about her. It's like we would do something and we'd be like, Oh, Margaret, if Margaret were here, she'd be laughing. Oh, Margaret would have loved this. It's like we kept her part of the conversation. I think that was part of what helped. But I honestly think knowing that I have a day dedicated to her, um, that I get to spend doing things I love and living a life that she would have wanted me to live. It makes it so the rest of the year, I don't feel so gutted by her loss. Like I get a day with her and that's incredible. And I think she would be really, you know, I I never know what I necessarily believe, but I like to believe that if she could see what I was doing, she'd be really happy about it. And, um, and, and, you know, doing that video. So I did this video for, um, uh, it's called Buffer Festival. It's like a YouTube film festival in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And we all premiere videos. And in the past, I've done videos about the friend zone's not a real thing. Or I've done like music videos. Kind of more YouTube-esque sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the first time I was like, oh, I really want to share this story because people know about it, but they don't know it is in depth as I yeah. do. I haven't really gone And it was like the, the mood of it's a film. I mean, it really is a short film. Yeah. I don't think of it as being YouTube-y. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. It, it, the thing, the, I, you know, listen, I 
I did this interview with my mom and I have, I have like an hour of her talking and I only used a small bit of it, but I learned so much about my grandma. And then also I didn't know. So in, during the course of this video, my mom talks about how my grandma woke up, my mom and her watched videos of mine where I was sad about her being sick and my grandma was crying because she felt so bad that I, that she had made me feel that bad. And my mom was trying to explain to her mom, no, it's like, it's a good upset. Like she loves you. Like it's, it's special that you can even see this, that you're even right. around to see this. Not everyone gets to see this. And I didn't know that when I interviewed my mom a few months ago. I'd never known that. Wow. And so it's like, I'm always learning new things and it, it makes me miss her more, but it also, it makes me realize that you really, when people are here, you really got to tell them how you feel and you really got to let them know like how important they are because you just might not get the chance. And so I just use her death in a lot of ways to inform how I live and, and how I treat people and, and I'm more forgiving and I'm, I'm softer with people than I was before. Um, and it's all because of her. Wow. And, uh, God damn, your family's so much better than mine. My <laughs> grandfather's last word was itch. And then everybody, <laughs> then he died and everybody fought over his stuff. End of story. Let's make yeah, a documentary well. about that, Ken. <laughs> itch. <laughs> I love it. I have my last words planned oh, out. Oh, if I, if I can, okay. yeah, because I, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I want to say, there is another Skywalker. <laughs> oh, God. So if I say You're that, Sonny, you know that's it. <laughs> Either that or I'm a Jedi. Oh, it's God. one or the other. I'm just no, going to but... stop talking at the end of my life so that I control <laughs> my final <laughs> No, that's that's a, a just a really touching, beautiful story. I think, you know, like you said, so many families and so many people just kind of don't do their processing and they don't do their, yeah. I don't know, they don't have any sort of positive ritual i know like when my mom died yeah. which is a whole different story because i kind of hated her and she was a narcissist but she was also my I mom mean, very fair. complicated very Listen, complicated we all have it I yeah fear. um but like for for us you know instead of having a funeral and all this we it was we had a party on her mm-hmm. birthday because she died a month before her birthday so mm-hmm. we had a party on her birthday we went to a bar we had a cake we all shared fun stories and then what i did for her you know, to kind of help her sort of like, you know, how you do your thing every year to sort of help her live on in a way or, you know, Mm -hmm. honor her is uh, I took her ashes and I divided them up into little care packages. Okay. And I passed them out to anybody who wanted them. Yeah. And my mother had never traveled. She'd never been on a plane. She was talking about, oh, yeah, I want to go to Egypt and I want to go to Paris and I want to go. So these people have taken her ashes and and through the years, they've been distributed to people that I don't even know, like people that just heard the story of my mom. And they're like, I went to Thailand and I sprinkled her in the water on the beach. And so it's like she's all over the world. That's so cool. Yeah. My favorite story about your mom's ashes is when we went to. Um, well, there's, we there's we snorted favorite, her, we drank her, and tea bagged her. <laughs> no, I was thinking of the time when we threw them into Niagara Falls, and her ashes flew into the family oh, next no. to us. <laughs> yes, that was horrible. Like little bone fragments pelted oh, me in the teeth. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's we totally did a Keith Richards thing, and we snorted a but line. It's like of her death and... is death is a lot of things, but death can be funny. Like there's yeah. humor in death. And, there really is. There is. And I think that you have to you have to tap into that and I'm, you know, I'm learning more and more about that as I get older, but I just think that people that pass on, regardless of what you believe, 
they don't really care what you do. It's all about you processing it and your ritual and how you deal with it. And so I think that's so, that's, that's so interesting to me is like giving ashes to people that are going to all these different places because the reality is like not only are you distributing that for you and you have that and maybe potentially for your mom if there is an, an afterlife for her, but also all these people that went to these places and did this had a really specific experience and moment where they probably questioned their own mortality and their connection with people in their lives. Yeah. And like that stuff that just has ripple effects that you don't know. Um, and so I think that's what I wanted to do with that video is like, I just want people, you know, I want people to walk out of that and say, I need to make that phone call. You know, I need to yeah. send that letter. I need to say that thing because I'm not going to have forever to say it. So I might as well just get rid of this ego and just fucking say the thing. Mm-hmm. And even all my videos. Totally. Cause you're going to get cancer. Yeah, and die. All my, vid- <laughs> all my videos I end with, you know, say hi to your grandmas for me. And that's intentional because I wish that I would have been able to say hi to my grandma, you know, mm-hmm. one more time. And so I'm trying to do it in her death in a way that I think she would be proud of me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for that. Like, You're thank welcome. you for, uh, ever, I don't know. I don't even know the words. See, I don't know the words. If, if you were saying what I was saying, you'd say it really succinctly and it would be awesome. <laughs> um, but you know, you just, you have that way of zeroing in on emotion and, you know, like you were saying, people's motivations behind what they're doing. It's not our surface, you know, what we're doing. It's all the emotion and connection that's behind it. And you just have a way of bringing that out. And thank you for that because you really have, you know, I, this sounds very like touchy feely, but it is. You've you've touched my life in lots of ways where I've watched your videos and I've been like, damn, yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> I love that. That makes me I'm I'm glad that I can be a part of that in any kind of way. I'm just doing what feels right and yeah. saying things that I feel good about. And then if that resonates with people, I mean that's the that's the bonus on right. top of everything else. Right. All right. I'm just glad there's somebody else out there that's as dark as somebody. I know. I know. Like, that dark death <laughs> we humor alone. is like, yeah. yeah. One day I'll, I'll tell you that. about the story about how we snorted and teabagged my mother. And it, there's all I sorts can't. of things. But, yeah. I can't even Not, not at the same time, <laughs> I just want to add that. Well, you know what? Maybe next time I can snort well a little of my mom off your balls. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we can always level up. I'm down for that. <laughs> I love it. Achievement exactly. unlocked. Exactly. <laughs> so, in the meantime... Where you have like two podcasts going on. You, your music is fucking phenomenal. Like I do not understand why you're not a huge like musical superstar right now. Um, (laughs) so tell everyone where they can find all the other cool parts of Megan Tonjes. Ooh, uh, I mean, listen, you can creep on me wherever you want, but I, I do spend a lot of time on Instagram and Twitter at Megan Tonjes. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash Tonjes, T-O-N-J-E-S. Um, and then I do music stuff. If you want to look me up on the iTunes or the Spotify, I, I think to answer your question, like, why are you not bigger? I think it's because I just haven't put my full intention behind it. Like mm. music for me is it just it, it kind of happened and it's so personal that um, I, I share it. But honestly, I've written songs that I don't even put out there. So I, I think if I got my weight behind it, <laughs> the better, <laughs> whatever, um, pun intended, um, I think that I think that I could be bigger, but I also like there's so many things I love. So I do have these podcasts. Um, I've been doing a podcast for like four years called Adventures in Roomating. It's with my roommate. We sit in our very cheap apartment <laughs> with our <laughs> condenser mics and just uh, it really it came from we would have these conversations. And I'm like, this is so funny, but I don't want to turn a camera on. 
and uh and we started doing a podcast and that's paid our that's mostly paid our rent for the past few years because we do patreon right um and we do a lot of fucking episodes we have like over 300 right now damn um what's your patreon just, by the way oh it's patreon.com slash adventures and roomating cool um there's so m- i have three patreons there's so many patreons i got patreons for series i got patreons for podcasts i got patreons for myself damn. like whatever you want to give me i will take hey are you um, going to be at patreon pa- patreon I, I con oh i don't I wonder if I got invited to that. I probably did, but I didn't respond because I'm shitty at email. Okay. But uh, I would love to. Jack Conti, who runs Patreon, is it's so funny because he was one of the first people I covered on YouTube because I just really? loved one of his songs. Yeah, and I remember him commenting, and then he he messaged me. He said, "Listen, I didn't want to be too nice in this comment because I didn't want people to get jealous, but you clearly are like a step above the rest." And then years later, he invited me out um, and this other musician, Julia Noons, to perform at a Patri- Patreon Christmas party, mm-hmm. and he just like liked my stuff but i reminded him of the story i was like you have no idea like that message changed the course of of music for me because i i felt so seen by you and i felt so inspired that i continued doing it and he was like oh my god i remember that message i just didn't remember it was you oh wow so i I have a lot of full circle moments but um yeah, so I have a podcast called Adventures in Remaining, uh, and I also just started another podcast because I like a project. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's with my friend Michelle Moore. It's called No Lies Detected, and that started because <clears throat> she and I have known each other for 10 years. We met once, 10 years ago, doing a music thing way back in the day, and we just stayed in touch online. And then she moved to Los Angeles and we hung out one time. We had a six hour conversation within that six hour conversation. I was like, bitch, you're so funny. I would love to do a podcast with you. And she followed up the next day. She was like, okay, what are we doing? And I was, I was very high and I was very anxious immediately because I was like, oh my God, did I get myself into something I don't have time for? But I sat down and I was like, no, I have the idea. It's called No Lies Detected. It's about the truths that you didn't know you needed. And then we just built it from there. And it's basically me finding really funny Yahoo questions and Reddit questions about relationships and trying to read them to Michelle as she's having an absolute fucking meltdown because she cannot handle stupidity. <gasps> I need to listen to this. You okay. Love it. She, yeah. I mean, we'll get questions and she, it, it's two sentences in, and she's like, no, you fucking deserve each other. You deserve it. Like, you, why, why are we even talking about this? A conversation over (laughs) (laughs) nice she's a badass sagittarius bitch so nice um i have a sagittarius moon oh you'll love you i love that you have all of your little parts in these different areas (laughs) 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 yeah i think i think you'll like it then the scorpio rising and the sagittarius moon and you will be happy nice very cool So for, for those listening along, if you didn't get all those web addresses, we always have all of our links and stuff that we talk about in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com. Uh, episode, what the hell episode is this? 63, I think. Don't hold me to that, listeners. I think I'm right. Um, so thank you. This has been really great. I'm glad we connected. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you, Megan. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. 
I'm the super social one, so you can find me at Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.